Hello, hello. Welcome to What to Read Wednesdays, your go-to podcast for staff picks from your friends at Delaware County District Library. Here, we'll talk about books, podcasts, and other relevant media. I'm your host, Annie Pazma. Good morning, What to Read with Annie. No, What to Read Wednesdays with Annie podcast listeners. That was a mouthful. (laughs) Oh, it's, I can't believe it's already been two weeks. The last uh, episode, I interviewed my friend Katie from the Orange Branch, and we had a wonderful time. If you haven't listened to it, you should probably go back and listen to that episode because we talk about um, kind of creepy books that are would be good reads for the upcoming Halloween season. Um, I love, uh, I love this time of year. I'm not so much a Halloween observer. I love passing out candy to kids, Um, but it's never been a tradition in my family. Um, But I do like, like that, that kind of creepy Gothic feel that comes with October. I like that part of it. I don't like the horror scary stuff, but Katie does. So we we talk about the differences um, between like horror and gothic. Well, at least our recommendations tended to be she's more horror, I'm more gothic, etc. So again, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to that episode. It was really, really fun. We had a great time. Um, so Yes, I'm recording this on Monday, um, and I hope you are able to go to a story time this week. Um, This week, it's my turn to do story time, and I could not be more excited. Uh, All of our story times are at different locations, so be sure to go to our website, uh, DelawareLibrary.org, and go to the events page, and all of our story times are listed and their locations are listed. So we need to get inside where it's a bit warmer, um, but we needed more space. So each location has a different um, a different space. All right, I have quite a few reviews today, so let's just get right to it. Of course, we have to start out with a review from Mark. Hello, my name is Mark Stevens, and I work circulation at the Powell Branch. The book I'd like to review for you now is entitled Madonna in a Fur Coat, and that book is written by Sabahattan Ally. I would recommend this book for adult readers who enjoy romantic literary fiction. One of the results of the library being shut down due to COVID-19 is that I'm much better able to tackle books on my to-be-read pile that I own since I can't get to my library books. Well, with Madonna in a fur coat, I hit a gold mine. There was a big literary splash when this Turkish classic was reissued in 2013 and translated into many languages soon afterwards. I bought it on a whim and corrected a big mistake by finally reading it. I just rated it five stars on Goodreads and am so excited to tell you about it. First of all, the author. He was a dissident whose writing was heavily censored by the Turkish government. This book was written in 1943, and the author, who had been imprisoned by the government, was shot by the police when he later tried to escape into Bulgaria. Since 2013, 
The book has remained a bestseller in Turkey and a favorite among young people who resent the current oppressive Turkish government. Due to his fight for political freedoms, the author is considered a hero today in Turkey. Now, don't let my introduction steer you wrong because this novel is not political at all. It's overwhelmingly a beguiling love story, albeit a totally atypical one, between Rafe, who is 24, and Maria, who is 26. Their relationship is extremely complex due to them both being deep thinkers who aren't sure what they want out of life, but they do know they don't want to be forced into playing traditional gender roles in their relationship. They reject rigidly following society's predetermined roles in their relationship that sometimes is platonic and sometimes romantic. Maria especially shows this novel to be ahead of its time with her independent feminist stance. She dominates Rafe, and I think in a good way, who sees himself as unimportant and having little to contribute to society. The malaise he suffered his whole life finally cracks when he is struck spellbound by a painting he spots in a museum show of a self-portrait Maria has painted. Readers of the book, The Goldfinch, will particularly enjoy this section of the book. I think you will love seeing how he and Maria finally meet and how his emotional isolation thankfully ends. All his life, Rafe has seen himself as being different, so much so that he feels he's incapable of being loved for who he truly is. But then he meets Maria, and his life forever changes. Theirs is a challenging relationship due to the demands they place on it. There are definite tensions between them. You will see major surprises and be saddened by missed opportunities. Don't worry, I haven't given any spoilers. You will be surprised and so very interested to see how both of these characters' lives turn out. This story begins in Rafe's homeland of Turkey, moves to 1920s Berlin as he comes of age, then moves back to Turkey. You will first meet Rafe through the eyes of a co-worker. That part of the novel is before you meet Maria and Will, I predict, also interests you and give you the idea right away that this novel is a well-written, quality read. I really want to stress that this book has great character development and would lend itself to engaged discussion at book groups because there's just something so different about it. The neatest thing for you trying this book, which is available on Libby, is that it is only 198 pages. So, even if you find it to be only so-so, which I doubt, you will still be able to easily finish it. I can see why this book is considered to be a literary classic. I hope I've whetted your appetite to give it a try. Thank you, Mark. I like those kinds of books and will probably have to add it to my to-read list. So remember the episode where I talked about technical services and how the library would fall apart without tech services? Uh, If not, go look it up. It's a great episode. Um, We would absolutely fall apart without tech services. Anyway, my good friend Reggie works in tech services, and here is her recommendation. 
If you loved the movies of Walt Disney from the 1960s, you will enjoy the autobiography Forever Young by British actress Hayley Mills. Yes, the star of the original Parent Trap, In Search of the Castaways, and That Darn Cat, as well as many more movies. In the limelight since she was born, Haley made her first movie at age 11 and has continued since. This is an honest, down-to-earth book about British Hollywood royalty and what the industry was really like in the 60s and 70s. It includes wonderful stories about directors and actors and even the Beatles. Forever Young is a nostalgic look at one of Hollywood's best-known actresses. I love Haley Mills. The movie Pollyanna was one of my favorites. I love The Parent Trap, too. But I loved—I went through this stage where I watched all of the old Disney movies. I absolutely loved it. Um, oh, did you know that she's the teacher from Saved by the Bell? I recognized her voice before I recognized her face. Like, it— starts out with her narrating something. Um, By the way, have you watched Saved by the Bell since you were a kid? I haven't. I started it. I think it's on Netflix. I started it and I was like, wow, Zach is creepy. That kid is super, super creepy. It's weird. I turned it off after like the third episode because I'm like, ugh, this is, this didn't, this didn't translate or this didn't age well. The show didn't age well. (laughs) Anyway. I digress. Next, we are going to hear from some new people. Kate is a new associate at the Orange Branch, and she recommends A Psalm for the Well-Built by Becky Chambers. Kate absolutely loved this sci-fi story about the unlikely friendship between a tea monk and a robot. It's a quick read that's heartfelt and made Kate tear up a few times towards the end. She thinks it's perfect for anyone who's still trying to figure out their place in the world or for anyone who just wants a cozy and quick read. Five out of five stars. Caleb works at the Ostrander branch, and his degree is in literature, I think. Caleb, if you're listening to this, correct me if I'm wrong, Uh, but I feel like that's just super, super awesome. So here's what he recommends. Patriot Pirates, The Privateer War for Freedom and Fortune in the American Revolution by Robert H. Patton. A fascinating, albeit chaotically organized look at an often overlooked aspect of the Revolutionary War that was crucial in supplying the nascent United States. As the book was organized chronologically, except for small asides to explain in the event eventual a fate of several of the more peripheral individuals, it did present some difficulty in keeping track of the wide array of people that Patton follows, including Ben Franklin, John Hancock, Nathaniel Green, John Paul Jones, John Brown, Silas Dean, and Gustavus Coynham. Each chapter section focuses on a different time period and what most of the individuals were doing during that period. It created a somewhat fractured effect, especially in the middle of the book, but it does pick up again towards the later part of the book, Uh, but it does not create the layered, wide perspective view that the author intended. Despite the somewhat difficult organization, the book is well-researched and provides an excellent overview of American privateers, 
relying on a useful combination of statistics, primary sources, and original documents to explore not the many battles, exploits, or skirmishes, although he does include a few examples with tasteful detail that are easily understood by non-sailors and only hint at the graphic chaos that fans of Hornblower or Aubrey Maturin might recall, but rather on the socioeconomic forces that shaped privateering and how privateering radically altered the society in which it thrived, especially New England, as well as the blueprint for one of the ongoing challenges of American history and politics, the the conflict between private and public interest amongst both individual citizens and those who hold public office and profit because of it. His next recommendation is The Explorer's Guild by Kevin Costner and Jonathan Bard. An excellent, well-done, mixed-media book, part novel, part graphic novel, part meta-text regarding this fictional Explorer's Guild with sketches of items in their collection, a foreword explaining their history and purpose, and commentary regarding their operations and works. Envisioned by Kevin Costner and brought into being by Jonathan Bard, the Explorer's Guild takes us back to the later years of World War I as a young officer in the British Army stationed in Egypt to fight the Ottomans joins up with a mercenary company of dragoons from India into an eventual globe-trotting adventure in search of the legendary city of Shambhalaya and the many conspiracies of those who seek it those who protect it, and those trying to return home, since those who leave it leave their memories behind as well. An homage to the pulp adventure stories of the early 20th century, Costner and Bard managed to create a multimedia experience for mature readers with a love of Haggard, Indiana Jones, and Crichton. His last recommendation, 40,000 in Gehanna by C.J. Cherry. Despite being an older work of space opera, published in 1983 and nominated for the Lucas Award in 1984, 40,000 in Gehenna is a refreshing and fascinating science fiction tale that is especially pertinent as, culturally, we reckon with a colonial past. Established as a colony destined to fall in territory the Union, Earth's colonies who broke away in a rebellion, Gehanna was meant to be a political minefield for the Alliance, who in turn broke away from the Union. The Union deposited just over 40,000 humans and genetically engineered clone slaves on Gehanna with an insincere, insincere promise of supply ships in three years. With no supplies, eventually the colony stagnates and breaks down, especially after conflict with the perceived non-sentient aliens present on the world already. Over the course of the novel, the story follows the colony as it splinters and then its descendants as they build new cultures over the ensuing, ensuing three centuries, eventually culminating in a war for dominance between two feudal cultures that have created symbiotic relationships with the native non-human species, observed by two rival anthropologists from the Alliance who are observing the world but are forbidden from interfering in their natural development. While generally slow when it comes to plot and action, the novel does create quite an impressive saga of growth, fall, and rebirth, as well as dealing with ideas of cultural interactions, 
anthropology, human-alien relations, the ethics of colonialism, and the flawed conception of utilizing post-Enlightenment objectivity and detachment to learn about other cultures, as well as charging a new course for a new and fascinating culture in science fiction. Thank you to Kate and Caleb for their recommendations. Okay, on to what I'm reading. I just picked up the first book in the Amulet series. I've always been wondering what the big deal was about this book. Because um, I've set a goal of reading uh, some of the more popular titles that um, in the, that age bracket of like 8 to 12. What I'm listening to, well, speaking of books that the kids are the kids these days are reading i just finished listening to the first book in the very popular warrior series by aaron hunter into the wild was actually pretty good i don't like books about animals especially ones that talk and whatever but this one was well written and i i actually kind of liked it i'm currently listening to splendors and glooms by amy schlitz but i don't know if i'll finish it it's kind of weird and honestly super creepy. I'm not sure why it's a Newbery Honor book. What I'm looking forward to, I'm on hold for Naomi Novik's next book in the Deadly Education series, The Last Graduate. Let's see how it goes. Well, all, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but next episode will be my last uh, after five years, I will be leaving DCDL to pursue a business I have started and a few other things. Um, we have yet to find a replacement um, for this podcast. We'll see how it goes over the next couple of weeks. Um, I hope you know, just by listening to this podcast, how much I have loved my time at DCDL. I've made lifelong friends. Uh, I've had my passion for stories and reader's advisory and story times fostered at this library. I mean, it has just been one of the most wonderful experiences I have ever had. Um, I, and I will, I will always cherish my wonderful memories uh, from DCDL. So... I'm surprised that I'm actually able to talk about this without crying. Like, it's it's been a really difficult, heart-wrenching decision, um, but it's the right decision uh, at this point. If you'd like to stay connected, go ahead and send me an email at whattoread at delawarelibrary.org. Um, and uh, if you show interest in staying connected, then we can stay connected. No worries. So thank you, faithful What to Read Wednesday listeners. I have enjoyed this podcast more than you know, and I appreciate you all. This is What to Read Wednesdays with Annie. I'm your host, Annie Pasma. Thanks for listening. <laughs>